0: I'm I with Tim. Oh, nice to see you. Dennis nice to see you, yeah. time, I like what Carl was saying about home groups. Um, there's something about um, being in a small group, which is like key to the way that we are designed to be known. It's um, one of my notes, but um, something I wrote down earlier in the year, <coughs> that... Um, the opinions, the opinions that really matter to you and to me are the people who are actually close in your life. And um, if you spend any time online, online is filled with a lot of opinions. And um, those opinions don't actually really matter. But it is the opinions of those, the people who are close in your life, who get to see you in the good times and the bad times. So it's really awesome to be in a home group with people who you maybe naturally wouldn't normally spend time with. Um, having a grace grower in your life. Being a grace grower. You probably are someone else's grace grower. You probably are. You're that person that the other person doesn't want to see. But God teaches you to love them. so this is pray. Oh Lord, I just want to thank you for what you are doing today. Father, we have such a sense of your nearness. We have such a sense of your pursuits over our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come and reveal the nature of Jesus to us. Thank you that you are the Spirit of holiness. Thank you that you're the Spirit who dwells within each of us. life, to our bodies. I just pray that we would leave here just being infused with the reality of your life and your unity with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. And I just felt in worship that there's something that God's doing with us um, this year so far about, I was just reminded of that verse in Psalm 86 where David says, I think the NIV translation is, Lord, give me an undivided heart. And I just feel like that's, there's something that God's doing with us where He's actually saying He wants us to be people who, who live with no division of our affections, no division of our, um, of our life that, you know, I love what Anne said, I don't, have a, um, I don't view my life as having a career, but it's my life work. There's no separation. It's like this is the person God's made me to be. I'm going to live that out. And I really sense that what God wants to do in our, in our hearts this morning is just break down those walls. Because um, we, we love, people love, we love putting up walls. We love putting up divisions. We love boxing things in. and know us, us males love to just put everything in its box and let it stay there. But I really feel like, you know, we were singing, singing about God breaking walls. And um, I really feel like He wants to break walls we've built up in our own perceptions and especially about how near and how far he is in our lives because there is no division we are in christ christ is in us christ is in the father there's no division i don't really feel like that there's something about us having that response of god give me an undivided heart like let my heart be completely set aside to you because your life is completely set aside to, my, to me um, <clears throat> and i and i really feel like he just wants to he he's always it's always a journey of god just breaking down those preconceived ideas that we have where we just learn to separate ourselves from from the reality of him in our lives because the reality is he he is in our lives if you're indwelt by the spirit of god he's in your life it's the awareness of him in your life that has to change yeah i thought that was a good point um, if you do have a Bible or an iPhone or a Samsung or a Huawei some form of mobile device that you read the scriptures on you can turn to John 8 verse 27 it's actually pretty I think it's quicker to do it by the page but maybe maybe on on the iPhone and if you have an iPhone and if you don't have a Bible app on there well Probably a useful way to spend your screen time. So you guys got it. So I'm just gonna read a, a short passage from John 8, and then just um, just pull out one or two things. And I have really just been enjoying. I don't know about you guys, but I've really been enjoying the whole theme that we've been on about about the Word becoming flesh, about the reality of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus, and the um, the fact that Jesus has become the one who dwells with us, and He's called us to become the ones who dwell with others as an expression of Christ. Thanks for you. You guys are welcome to interact as I speak. Okay, John eight twenty seven. 27. Um, so this is a whole passage, Jesus is speaking speak to the Pharisees and the Jews, and I'm just taking it from like halfway through John 8, and it starts 27. They did not understand that that He had been speaking to them about the Father. That's a profound verse. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father has taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So Jesus said to the Jews that believed in Him, "If you abide in My word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free." They answered Him, "We are offspring of Abraham, Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free?" Jesus answered them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever; the son remains forever." So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thanks, guys. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Um, John 8 is actually an incredible um, passage. About Jesus speaking truth to the Pharisees and the Jews, and just seeing this interaction of um, the reality of Jesus and his relationship with the Father, um, and how it translates to the way that the Jews understood who he was. Um, so I just want to pull out a few points from this that passage because cool. uh, I really feel like there's something on it. And I just love it. You know, we know that we know that verse so well, and you'll know you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But um. The beginning part of that, it says, Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I've never actually noticed that um, portion where he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I just love um, the word abide, because there's something about um, the nature of, you know, we spoke about the word became flesh and the flesh only dwell dwelt among us. And there's something about abiding in God and Jesus coming to abide with us. And now He invites us and He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And, and I looked up that word in the Greek and it's, it's meno, meno. And it means to stay, to remain, to abide. And Jesus uses the same word in John 14. Um, and he said, in John 14 He says, you do not believe that I am in the Father... Father's in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. And that phrase he uses when he says, The Father who dwells in me, is the same word he uses when he says, If you abide in my word. So there's this beautiful invitation that God makes to us about remaining and dwelling and abiding in his word. Just as Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus we are invited to abide or dwell. Um, other translations of the word say, not to depart, not to leave, to continue to be present. Imagine living a life where you continue to be present to the reality of Jesus in your life. I mean, that's, that's essentially like what Cole was talking about last week, where Jesus would go and he'd heal, and then he would, he would um, pull away, and he would go to be with the Father. He, he lived a life. He was continually being present of what the Father was saying. And doing. And sometimes that meant engaging with the darkness, engaging with the sickness, engaging with the, the flesh, engaging with the humanity. And then other times it meant pulling away to be just continually to be present, to be aware to the Father and His reality in His life. I don't know about you guys, but that would be a pretty um, good indicator of if I'm living a whole life. You know, if you meet someone who's just present with you, but also present to what the Father's doing. If we were people who continue to be present. Yeah? Yes. And so the invitation of Jesus is, if you abide in my word. So remember, we, we heard a couple of weeks ago, the word became flesh. The word was, was God, the word was with God. So, Jesus was God. He came to be flesh among us. And it's almost like Jesus saying, if you abide in me, if you abide in my word, it's like, I've come to be present with you. I've always been present with the Father. Now I'm inviting you to continue to be present to my truth and my reality in your life. To ma- maintain unbroken fellowship with one. Imagine living a life. That's, that's what it must have been like to be in the presence of Jesus. He was somehow maintaining unbroken, Broken fellowship with the Father. This amazing life of always always being connected. Like we we're always connected, but like we are so disconnected. But there's something about living a life of connection with the Father. And he's inviting us to abide. If if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples. So what he's actually saying is the life of discipleship. Like the true measure of the life of the discipleship is remaining in me, remaining in the truth of my word, being continually connected, unbroken fellowship. One of the commentators said, in the mystic phraseology of John, God is said to do this in Christ, i.e. to dwell as it were within him, to be continually operative, operative in him by his divine influence and energy. So there's something about God in Christ, like continually operating And there's the reality that the Spirit is continually operating in our lives. The Holy Spirit actually is continually operating in our lives. The Father is always speaking over us. And He's inviting us to be in this place of abiding in His Word, abiding in His truth. Making sense? To continue to be. And I love it because it's the same word when John talks about Jesus and He was baptized. And John says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And it remained on Him. I myself did not know, but He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. He's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So that same word means to remain. And you know, Jesus was the ultimate um, example of life lived in connection with God. I love what Carl was saying. We sometimes distance ourselves from living like Jesus because we say that He was God. I'm human, He's God. Is, we, we create this distinction. But He came to show that a person on whom the Holy Spirit descended and remained can live a life of continually abiding in Christ, continually abiding in the Father. And I love what this, um, the commentator um, who translated the Passion says when he talks about the dove remaining on Jesus. He says, Jesus the Lamb took away our sins Listen to this. It says, "And the Holy Spirit, the dove, brings man brings to man the life of God." Jesus didn't come to start a movement, to, but to bring the fullness of life to us. This dove points to the dove that Noah released from the ark. It found no place to rest in a fallen world. The last time Noah released the dove, it flew and never returned. It flew throughout history over Abraham and the patriarchs, over the prophets and kings, with no place to rest until at last. There was a heavenly man who carried the life of heaven upon him, the dove. The Holy Spirit rested and remained. There was nothing that could offend heaven in the life of Jesus. Jesus, that's profound. The picture of the peace and the remaining nature and reality of heaven abiding on Jesus because there was nothing in his life that could offend heaven. And we are invited into living that same life. Our reality in Christ is that we are in Him. There's no separation. But we, we we live the lives like the Holy Spirit comes and He leaves. And He comes and He leaves. But He's come to remain on us. And He does remain on us. And so our invitation to abide in the Word, to abide in Jesus is to live a life of unbroken fellowship. Some people translate that word to sojourn, to journey. This unbroken journey of life in the Spirit, in God, living in our brokenness, learning to see the Father's work over us, the Holy Spirit's truth over us. I hope it's helping you guys. I sent sent, uh, Luke this um, verse the other day. John 15 verse 4, it says so you must remain in life union with me for i remain in life union with you for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine it's like god saying i have created this life union with you i've poured out my spirit i've placed my spirit within you Now learn to live this life deeply abiding and resting in me you. maintain your life union with me apart from me you can do nothing And I love love that scripture we we read a few weeks ago. It says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Because there's something profound about the fact that Jesus became flesh. And we're talking, and He remained flesh. Like He became flesh. He was an eternal being. He became flesh, but He remained flesh. And even when He was resurrected, He still maintained His human flesh, even though He had a resurrected body. And I think part of the reason that He did that is to continue continually remind us that He came to abide with us, that He took on the nature of our flesh, and for eternity, He's still going to remain in the nature of our flesh. And it's like almost like the way that we see God taking on our flesh, is like we in our own flesh take on the nature of who God is. It's like we, we'll always have that reference that Jesus remains in flesh, because He wants us to live lives where we remain connected with Him and the reality of our new creation in Christ. He did not return to the form that he was before he took on flesh. It says he dwelt among us. It's like he, put, he, he had his tent among us. Someone wrote, for the Christian, this is dwelling in intimate communion with the resurrected Christ. Even as he who himself lived in unbroken communion with the Father during the days of his flesh. It's like he so identified with us that he took that very nature into heaven for eternity. He identifies with your flesh. And now He invites us to dwell in Him. Romans 13, 14 says, Instead, instead clothe, yourself, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like He's in us, but it's daily. We're clothing ourselves in the nature of who Jesus is. We're putting on the reality of Christ. Colossians 3 says, your, The secret of your life is hidden with Christ in God. The secret of your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's it's a profound mystery. And then it carries on in Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I think that's such a beautiful verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the truth and reality of who God is dwell in you. And that word dwell, it's a slightly different word to the word abide. It means um, I dwell in or I am settled in. Let the word of Christ settle in. Like, let, let the reality of who Jesus is like, be this place of settledness in your life. Proper, properly dwelling in a state as in a home to inhabit one's personal residence. To dwell in one and influence him for good. And I feel like the invitation from God for us is that to let the Word, the Word became flesh, that's so Christ, but also the Word of the, the Scriptures to dwell in us, richly, To find a place where the Scriptures are at home to us and we're at home to the Scriptures. Does that make sense? Like this is your, like this is your reference point. And here's your reference point. So, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I love that he goes from the fact of abiding to you will know the truth. Because there's an intimate connection between abiding in him, remaining in the word, and knowing the truth. And the Greek word for know there is genosko, which means to come to know, to perceive, to recognize, to know especially through personal experience or first-hand acquaintance. So knowing the truth is actually being known in personal experience, coming to a personal experience of the truth. And what did Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth isn't so much a set of facts or things to understand, but it's a person to know, to perceive, to recognize. Is, that, is it making sense? And I love what John says in John chapter one, he says The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own and His own did not recognize Him. And there's something about that reality of recognizing Jesus when He comes to us. Recognizing Him and recognizing the truth. Knowing the truth is not so much just understanding what we believe to be right but it's actually about recognizing the reality of Christ in our lives He came to His own but His own did not recognize Him and I feel sometimes that's the way we love our lives He comes to us and we don't recognize Him because we're not aware of Him we're not aware of that constant connection with Him but He's always wanting to reveal Himself to us He's always wanting to reveal His nature to us it says the true light which enlightens everyone that's coming into the world and there's something about like, the light of the truth of who Jesus is. He's always wanting to shine the light of truth in our lives. Understanding truth comes from having known the reality of the truth expressed in the life of Jesus. There's something about meeting Jesus, seeing Him, understanding Him, that His truth takes, takes root in our lives. And I love what um, 1 John 1 says. Covered it a couple weeks ago. This is what he talks about recognizing Jesus. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Imagine that intimate reality of saying, I've looked upon, I've seen Jesus with my eyes, I've touched with my hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, we have seen it, we testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we also proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. There's something about just the reality of seeing Jesus, seeing Him, knowing Him, touching Him. Coming to an experience of the reality of Jesus. Because when you have that reality and that encounter with Him, that's the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. That's the truth that sets you free. Because once you know the truth, truth sets you free. And I love what happens. Jesus says, The truth will set you free. And then they answer Him and they say, But we are the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And they're basically saying, like, we're not enslaved. Jesus is saying the truth. Like, when we hear the words, the truth will set you free. Like, their reaction is, but we're not enslaved. We're the Jews. We've never been slaves. And then he says, the slave does not remain. um, Truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house, but the son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So he's saying like, if you live in sin, you're enslaved to sin. But there's a a reality of sonship that sets you free. The nature of truth stems from the very nature of who the Father is. And um, Jesus continues in that passage and he's talking about um, the devil and he says uh, in verse 44, he says, he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's amazing, yeah? when the When the devil speaks, he can only speak lies because he speaks from the very nature of who he is and he's a liar. And the same with the Father. When the Father and when Christ speaks over you, He only ever declares and speaks truth because He speaks from the nature of who He is and who He is is truth. So truth is not so much about knowing things, but it's about knowing where you come from and who your Father is. That's why He says, um, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. There's something about Jesus saying, to the Jews, You couldn't understand what I was saying because you've got this mentality that comes from a place of being convinced by the lies of the devil. And when he speaks, there's no truth in him because he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and a father of lies. And there's something about the truth of Christ when it comes into our lives that it shatters the lies of the enemy. Because he's the father of lies. He speaks from his own character. And I feel like there's something that God wants to shine that light of illumination on our hearts to break off lies that we've believed. Because he's inviting us into that place of abiding in his word. If the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He knows his freedom and reality of who he is in Christ. So you can invite us into that same reality and you can be free indeed. Knowing that there's never a place where you're separated from the Father. Knowing that there's never a place where you're condemned in the Father. Knowing there's never a place where you have to prove yourself to the Father. I love that Jesus said in verse 27, They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. It's like that's the key to this whole story. They didn't understand when He was speaking to them, He was speaking to them about the Father. It's like they had their religion, they had their boxes, they had everything sorted out in their minds, they believed what He said, but they didn't understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. You see, when you see who the Father is, and you have a revelation of the goodness of who God is as your Father, that's what is the key to the truth and the reality of living in that place of being a beloved son and daughter. I love what Jesus says. I do nothing on my own authority but just speak as the Father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not let me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. The goal of the life of Jesus was always to live in that relationship of I just want to do things that are pleasing to him. I just want to do the things that are pleasing to him. You did not understand that He meant speaking to them about the Father. They didn't see, they didn't recognize. He came to His own and they didn't recognize Him. The essence of the relationship between Jesus and the Father is one of pleasure. Doing what is pleasing to, to Him. See, true freedom is actually living in a place where you are, where are not a slave to sin, but you're a slave to Christ. That our very wills are enslaved slave to what pleases Him something about just being caught up in the reality of Jesus that we are those people who say, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be encumbered by a yoke of slavery. So, there's just the reality of being invited into that place of abiding in Christ and knowing the truth, and the truth setting us free. And I really feel like the invitation of the Father to us is to live that life with an undivided heart, continually aware and connected to who the God, to who the Father is, to maintain unbroken fellowship with Him. Not to depart, not to leave, but to continue to be present to who God is. And the reality is that the Spirit of God has descended and remained on our lives. And whatever, wherever we find ourselves, he invites us to be people who are just continually aware of the peace of the Spirit of God, like the dove on our shoulders, to come into situations and to bring the reality of the presence and the atmosphere of the Father. And I feel like he's inviting us to be those people, like it says in Colossians 3, that the word of Christ would dwell in us richly. That we'd find ourselves in a place where we say, Father, I want to be shaped by your word. Like not just in, a, not just in a, a place of knowing what your word says, but that it would dwell in me in a deep, deep, deep place. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So Father, we thank you for this invitation that you've given us to abide in you. To be continually present to your nature in our lives, Father. I pray this morning that there would be a reality of your truth that would take root in our our hearts, in our minds. That we would know you and we would know your truth. And that's what would set us free, Father. And I pray, Spirit, that you just begin to illuminate our hearts to the truths of who we are. Thank you that you invite us into a life of no separation. I feel like the Spirit is just giving us a a new lens. Some of us is giving us new lenses of our lives to see that there's no separation. There's no place... space in our life where he sees himself separate separated from us father i pray that we would be people with an undivided heart that our hearts would have no walls or divisions where we don't see the reality of your pleasure over our lives, Lord. Really. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would show us right in this moment what the where those walls are that we've put up. And I just see a picture of Jesus coming into The reality of our our hearts it's like he i just see like he's coming into our lives with a key and he opens up the front door and it's just like he's saying let me into every room of your house let me into every room of the place of your heart For some of us, He's just rearranging the way we've seen our lives, because He wants us to be continually aware of His presence. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for your freedom that comes. Union. Uh, um, actually sorry, just want to give my heart honest. To-